You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Partido Partido Podcast, an English-speaking podcast about all things Atlari. So we're doing things a little differently today, as I'm going to be interviewing a uh, an Atletico fan that travels regularly to stadiums uh, to uh, support the team, and uh, maybe uh, she can share uh, some of the stories with us. So um, uh, we'll, uh, I'm trying to make this a... A regular series on the podcast and uh, I'm trying to find uh, more interesting stories uh, to share on the podcast so uh, do tell me if you find this interesting and uh, if you want to see more of this in the future um, and uh, if you have an interesting story yourself you can share it with us on uh, on Twitter on the direct messages and we will review them and hopefully uh, you get a chance to join us uh, on a podcast in the future. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started with the interview with Atletica de Nueva York. Welcome back everyone to the podcast and here I am with the one and only Atletica de Nueva York. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. 
Uh, it's such a, such a pleasure to have you on with us, and uh, let's get right into it. Uh, for stars, uh, please tell us a bit about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Ashley. I am a member of the Peña Atletico de Madrid of New York, and I live outside of the New York metropolitan area, and I have been a flight attendant for a major airline for about 32 years, a little bit over that. And basically since 2014, but pretty much full-time since 2017 or 2016, I arrange my whole work schedule around Atletico de Madrid so I can attend matches both in Madrid, other cities in Spain, and in Europe for either Champions League or the Europa League for the 2017-2018 season. And... um, I also uh, try to work to improve relations between different penas um, within Spain and outside of Spain. So I sometimes travel along with my work and for personal travel to meet up with members of other penas in different cities like Brussels, London, Edinburgh, um, because it's important that we all stay connected during the season and even outside of the season. And um, that's pretty much what I do. Uh, My living room is a partial museum to the club. I've got the shield from 1903 and the one from 1947 in my living room, along with my butaca for a seat from Vicente Calderon. And uh, my collection of camisetas keeps growing. But I've just found over the years that it's the people of the Atleti that make this so special. Pretty cool. Uh, so uh, you seem to have dedicated your life very much for uh, Atletico. Uh, so uh, when did when this when did this start, uh, and how? Uh, also, why uh, did you start watching Atletico, and what was it about them that made you fall in love with them? As a child, I did play football in the United States, but in the um, late nineteen seventies and early nineteen eighties. It wasn't a popular sport in the United States, nor was it readily available for girls or young women. And I kind of moved away from European football or football in general and uh, fell in love with baseball and watched that for a long time. And then in the mid-2000s, I returned to living on the mainland. I had been living in Hawaii for some time. And I started becoming interested in European football because I discovered the quality of it was amazing. And so I started going to some matches in the about 2010, 2011, when I could, um, San Siro, um, some in the UK. But in 2014, on April 2014, April 1st, I happened to have a layover in Barcelona and Atletico was playing uh Barcelona in Camp Nou, and I went with my boyfriend at the time, and we went to see the match. And my boyfriend at the time, who's now my former boyfriend, was a Barca supporter. And we went, and we scored. Diego Diego Rivas scored the goal, and I remember sitting in Camp Nou stunned because I had never. I'd seen Atletico play on television, 
but I had never seen them play in a stadium. And I was stunned. I was overwhelmed um, by the, the quality of play of the team. I was blown away by the defense at the time, of course, of course, Diego Godin and Juan Fran, Felipe Luis. And I remember my boyfriend was furious with the result of the match. I looked at him. I said, that was one of the most amazing defensive matches I've ever watched in my whole life. So when I returned back to the United States, I started to research a bit more about Atletico. And that was my first live experience with them. So I began to look online a bit about them. But at the time, I didn't know how to really find any information in English. So I decided I needed to maybe start learning some Spanish. So I did. And then in 2016, I went to my first match at Vicente Calderon. It was the match uh, of Atletico against uh, PSV Eindhoven. And so I went to the match very early. I was in Madrid for work on a layover. And I went to the match very early to obtain a ticket. And I had to kill some time. So I went down the street from the Calderon to a, uh, to a bar or restaurant. It was a beautiful day. And uh, I secured a bocadillo de jamón, a ham sandwich, and a beer. And I sat outside and read a book. I didn't know anybody. And um, I was by myself. And a big group of guys were at a table near me. And I was just enjoying the day and watching the atmosphere and taking some pictures. And all of a sudden, I hear this noise, like somebody's trying to get my attention. I hear this, and I look around, and I don't notice anything. And so I go back to reading my book, and I hear another, and I go back to reading my book, because I still can't figure out what's going on. Well, all of a sudden, a guy gets up from this group of people at this other table and comes over to me and pokes me in the shoulder and says, um, Señora, señora, ¿por qué estás sola? Which is, ma'am, why are you by yourself? And I said in Spanish, the limited amount I knew, um, because I'm American and I don't really speak Spanish. And they said to me in broken English, that's not a problem. If you're here, you're for the Atleti and you're with us. They dragged my chair over to the table, sat me down, uh, made sure I had another beer. And they said... Um, why are you here? I said, well, this was my first match and I don't know what I'm doing. And they said, well, fine. We'll teach you how to sing the hymn. And I'm looking at them going, I have no idea what you're talking about. And sure enough, I started to learn immediately the words to Yo me voy al Manzanares, al Estadio Vicente Calderon. And that's where it really all started. Because from that moment on, in that match, which if you recall, we won in extra time and penalty kicks. Um, uh, that's what started it all because the experience that I had in that stadium that night with those people and then the people that I sat with in the section I was in was so amazing. I knew that night I had found my spiritual home for Spanish football. It was right there. And that's why I'm here today. Amazing. Uh, it seems like the the fans are very welcoming uh, and by that story, uh, very open uh, to have uh, foreigner, uh, to welcome foreigner fans uh, among them as well. 
Uh, they really are. Um, I have been to San Siro. I've been to Old Trafford. I've been to the Etihad. Um, I've been to stadiums in Germany, France. Um, and it was the, and I've been to other stadiums in Spain. I will say, uh, the stadiums that I have always felt the most at home at were the Vicente Calderon, of course, our new stadium, the Metropolitano. And then the next favorite one for me is San Mames. That is one incredible experience. If you've ever get a chance to go do that. And uh, I also really love the people in Hitafe and the people at Leganes. I've been out there. They are really wonderful and welcoming people. And so were the people in Levante, though we all know it's no, not been much fun for us to play against them in recent years. But the people for Atletico have been very welcoming of um, non-Spanish-speaking people. Um, when they are in my section where I sit in the Met Metropolitano, we, they, the people in my section know that I speak English, obviously. And they will say, hey, that woman over there can help you. Or they'll come and get me and say, Ashley, can you help this person? We don't know how to um, help with them. And um, I always try to make sure I explain the history of the club as was taught to me because people were so welcoming and kind to me and made sure that I understood from the first day um, that it's a responsibility um, for a lot of people to represent this club properly. Wonderful. Um, so you said that you travel uh, a lot to watch Atletico right now. Uh, how, how often do you do it? How often do you get to watch Atleti in the flesh? Well, um, I'm a bit unique in that um, I have been a, a season ticket holder. I um, am a socio de abonado in the Metropolitano, and I have been there since the stadium opened in September of 2017. So I arrange my flight schedule around the matches to the extent possible. It's a little difficult at times because La Liga does not necessarily schedule the games in, in advance so that I can make sure I can know well in advance when I need to work. So sometimes I have to do a lot of last minute changing of things. But uh, I generally, during the season, can go anywhere between one to four times a month, depending on how often we're playing that month in Madrid. Or if they are playing, for example, against Getafe or Rayo Vallecano or previous year's uh, Leganes, I could also arrange to attend there on my 24-hour layover for work in Madrid. Um, so I would go. I think the most matches I ever attended in one month was either April or May of, I think it was April of 2018. I think I went to seven matches in one month. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, we all hear a lot of stories about the atmosphere uh, inside the stadium. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your experience with it and what it actually is like? Um. For the person who goes for the first time, it can be really overwhelming. Um, my, I'll never forget my first time in the in Vicente Calderon and how absolutely deafening it was. And it was not just deafening to the ear. 
It was also a sensory because there's so much to see and take in. And there's so many things going on in the stadium besides what's happening on the pitch. You've got the people in Fondo Sur, the Frente Atletico, um, leading the singing and the chanting. And um, you can feel the rumble in the stadium of people jumping up and down. And then, of course, what we're doing on the pitch and following that at the same time, it is can be really, really overwhelming. And I've taken some coworkers of mine with me to matches, and they said the first time they 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 just couldn't absorb it all. Um, it's really, if you've never been able to do it, I tell everyone, even if you're not a fan of football, you should attend an, a La Liga match, especially the Atleti once in your life just to see and experience it because it is so amazing. Um, but when we are all uh, singing the hymn or any of the other supportive songs that we participate in, you just hear it and it starts at one end and everybody just starts to join in. And the moments when we all stand and raise our bufandas, our scarves and cheer on the team is one. It's amazing. Um, the most magical nights, I will honestly say, are the Champions League matches are off the charts crazy. And of course, when we play uh, Barcelona and um, as I call them, Las Trampas, uh, Madrid, um, th those nights are, you can tell it's a different atmosphere, uh, highly competitive, very anticipated. People are in, you know, the fighting full Atleti spirit, and it is really something to behold. And I am very proud of that and to be a part of that because I will, of course, have been in other stadiums besides ours or in other stadiums within Europe. And sometimes I kind of look at them and say, wow, this is really kind of dull compared to what we do. Um, and so it's interesting to make the comparison, but I, all the matches I've been to, I've never been disappointed with, uh, the way that we support our team. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you're giving me a sense of pride just hearing those stories mm -hmm. and I've actually never been there. Uh, so, uh, obviously high praise for the Calderon, but, uh, currently, uh, how does the Metropolitano compare uh, to the atmosphere in, in the Calderon? Um, I will be very honest, um, as beautiful as the Metropolitano is, and it's a nice modern stadium and with all of the bells, whistles and amenities, I would go back to Vicente Calderon in a minute. Um, that was probably one of the most special places I was ever at in my whole life. Um, I get emotional talking about it, but, um, it was amazing. Uh, the Metropolitano is different and that, of course, it's quite a bit larger with over 68,000 seats. The one thing that has been an uh, adjustment, and we've all talked about it, those of us who attend matches all the time, is that um, there's a, quite a bit of an echo in there. So we've kind of had to adjust with how we cheer together and sing and start different, I don't know how to explain it, uh, different ways of supporting the team. One thing that I will say in both stadiums, but in this one, um, when we do the TIFOs, when we do the mosaics 
in the stadium when we all hold up the different cards to spell out the message of the match. With this stadium being so large, it is really cool. It is really cool to see that all come together. Um, it was a change also because uh, when we were at Vicente Calderon, uh, many people in Peñas had their bar or restaurant or place in a park that they would meet for after the matches. So everyone had to learn new habits and new make new rituals to find where they were going to go uh, when we moved over to the Metropolitano. And that did take some time, but people have found their places and it was great. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. So now that we've returned to the stadium after um, not being in it until August of last year, uh, people had to find their rhythm again. And we're getting back into it very well and very quickly, I'm proud to say. Wonderful. Uh, so you, you just talked about uh, TIFOs and uh, you told some stories on Twitter about some of your favorite mo moments uh, at the stadium. Uh, one of which I remember uh, you talked about uh, participating in the TIFO that preceded the Leicester game in, uh, in the Champions League. And uh, you, you said that was one of the most wonderful uh, experiences you had uh, at, the, at the Calderon. Uh, do you have any similar stories you can, you can share with us right now? Oh, about TIFOs or just in general? In general. Um, wow. That TIFO against Leicester City was amazing. And I remember exactly where I was in the bottom part of that A for Atleti. And I'll never remember the uh, Leicester City fan who ended up securing a ticket that was next seat next to me, um, who was not going to participate. And we all shamed him into participating in the TIFO. Um, he didn't last through that match. Um, he left early. Um, that was some match. Um, other um, experiences that have been amazing in the Metropolitano, they all, of course, when you're there and we're winning, like um, last fall when we played Barcelona and we won, I had never seen that in our stadium we played barcelona and i had not seen them win um to witness that and to be that was very emotional um the tifos that we do for the big matches are always huge another time i remember was in 2018 when we were in the europa league and when we defeated arsenal at the stadium and it was this sense of relief knowing that we were going to the final in lyon france and the stadium just erupted and everybody jumping up and down and screaming and crying and hugging. And we were so loud that night. Uh, I, it was, it was deafening. The Champions League matches where we played in February, um, I usually try to take some time in February and um, live in Spain for a while and take Spanish lessons so I can try and improve my knowledge and be able to experience more of this. And I usually travel, um, I usually go to school in the city of Salamanca, and I uh, participate in activities with the um, Peña Atletica Salmantina, I hope I said that right. And uh, we take a bus from, Salman from, from Salamanca to 
the stadium and we attend the match and then we drive all the way back to Salamanca. We take the bus. We They rent a bus and we all get on the bus and we drive from Salamanca to the Metropolitano. We attend the match and then we go back. And I was there the night that uh, we beat Juventus in 2019. Yes. And uh, that was probably one of the most insane things I have ever witnessed that night. And then I was at, uh, not in the Metropolitano, but I was at Liverpool when we defeated uh, Liverpool in Anfield um, in March of 2020 before everything stopped with the, with the pandemic. That will be a match I will never, ever forget. Being in that stadium with us being louder than all of them and then winning that match was one of the most unforgettable things I have ever done. And I'm also proud to say I was there. Wonderful. Um, so uh, what is it about Atleti that makes you invest so much time, effort and money into following them? Uh, is it like the fan base, the, the connections you made with the club, or uh, is it simply the connections you made with the fans? It's a little bit of both. Um, it's mostly about the personal aspect of the really wonderful, amazing people I have met through this club all over Spain. Um, I have now hundreds of friends and acquaintances because of this. Um, but I will also say it is also about the history of the club and how there are so many people who are trying to preserve it. And... Um, make sure that it's a living part of what we do all the time, not just something that happened 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 50 years ago. Um, it's about making sure that future generations um, of Atleticos understand why we love this club. One of the, for example, um, I was uh, working a flight from New York to Madrid and there was a gentleman sitting in a seat in the business class section. And I went up to him and I welcomed him on board my aircraft. And I said, um, well, I said, I will be able to remember your name quite easily. And he said to me, well, why is that? And I said, because your last name is Garate. And he was one of the most significant players for Atletico de Madrid in the 60s, <laughs> 1960s. I thought he was going to fall out of his chair. He looked at me and he said, but you're American. I said, yes, but I'm for the Atleti. He said, my father is never going to believe this. Well, that's when I almost fell over because I couldn't believe that I was talking to Jose Eulogio's Garate's son. Oh, that, and that is... <laughs> he, he, he was just stunned, stunned. And I'm looking at him just as stunned. So we did talk for a while. And finally, he said, I have to ask this question. He says, even though I shouldn't, he says, can I have your address? And I said, well, why? He says, my father will never, ever believe this. So a few weeks later, um, I gave him my address. And a few weeks later, um, I get an envelope in the mail here in the United States. And his father sent me a personal note and a 
photograph of him and he signed it. And I have That's it. That's absolutely wonderful. And that, that small interaction and that experience only intensified my desire to learn more about the history of this club. So in order to do that, I purchased books in Spanish to improve my Spanish um, knowledge. But it also it, it makes me learn um, about the club. And then I can ask my friends for help about, you know, what happened here or were you there for this match or what happened with this player. And then I can then share that knowledge with other people who might not be aware of it simply because they don't speak any Spanish or very little Spanish. And I've met so many people who have been able to tell me amazing stories of what they have experienced um, throughout the years. Um, one of my dearest friends um, who sits in my section, his father was um, personal friends with uh, Don Vicente Calderon, the former president of the club who passed away a few years, number of years ago. And he was the groundskeeper for, the, for Vicente Calderon. So he was the one who would unlock the stadium doors to let everyone in and start. And he was the one who locked everything at night. And he has told me amazing stories of his father's experiences and of, of what he saw. He, was in the, he attended matches at the original Metropolitano. That's how long he has been with the Alevi. Incredible. So it's these, it's these amazing people um, who have welcomed me. I'm very active with the Peñas. I just returned from Edinburgh, Scotland, where I attended the anniversary dinner of the Peña uh, Indios de Caledonia. Um, I have some very dear friends from there, and it's a very unique Peña where they speak both English and Spanish. And uh, we had a great time. And uh, some... Members of the Peña Polonia from Poland, they came also and joined in. It was a great big celebration. It's amazing. That's absolutely wonderful. And everything you've shared with us is absolutely incredible. Those stories are, I mean, they'd be a special uh, a special memory for anyone uh, you mention, and uh, it makes the connection even deeper. Uh, so, uh, I mean, th thank you so much for sharing this with us. Uh, you just mentioned the, your uh, your work with the Peñas. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts of, uh, about them? And can you give any advice to anyone who wants to travel to watch the team uh, to join any of the Peñas that are, that are close to them? Well. Um... I have been very heavily involved with a number of people within the Pena system, and that's exactly what it is. There are recognized Penas that are recognized by the club, and there are certain criteria that they have to follow so that they can be recognized by the club. You cannot just say, hi, my name is Bob or Ashley, and I'm going to form a supporters group. Um, for Atletico. You need to, if you are uh, outside of Spain, outside the country of Spain, you have to have, I believe, a minimum of 25 or 30 supporters. But if you are within Spain, you have to have more than 50 people who are willing to sign up and you must be a socio. That's the only people who can be recognized to form an official Peña. You can, of course, always have people that are welcome to participate in Peña activities and socialize and support the team, but 
you have to be able to prove to the club that you have the official number of people who are banding together to form these supporter groups. Most of them are organized by a neighborhood of a city or a city or a region. And they're, they all have very unique personalities and they are really amazing, wonderful people who really support this club. Um, and so I'm a member of the Pena in New York and we meet at a, at a bar in Manhattan near the Empire State Building. And everybody is welcome to come. Sometimes it's hard for us to meet because uh, when the Atleti play early in the day in Spain, it's a little difficult to get the Peña together at 8 o'clock in the morning Eastern time in a bar to watch the match. So it can sometimes be a little challenging. The same for Champions League matches. They start at 9 p.m. in Spain, and so that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon in New York when a lot of people here are working. So it can be a little challenging, but there are people who belong to Peñas all over the world, as many in Spain, that when they travel to the United States for vacation or for a business trip, they know where to find us, and they will come and join us. And people will contact me through Twitter or Facebook um, sometimes Instagram, and we'll ask, uh, how can I join you to watch the match? And I, I'm honestly, I will say I'm not there at the bar in New York to watch as much because I'm in Madrid watching the match. So sometimes I'm not there very often. But it's a great atmosphere. It's a great way to meet people. And uh, the Peña New York welcomes pretty much everyone in the world. We're a big kind of Peña that's recognized by everybody as easy to get to in a lot of cases and welcomes everyone to join us and watch the team and support the team. And uh, the Peñas in Spain are very organized. They um, have membership meetings and they have usually one or two big dinners during the year or celebrations and they will invite members from other Peñas to join. Uh, if you want to be able to meet up with other people you could if you speak spanish you could um affiliate with a peña from maybe a town that you're familiar with or a town that you belong to there are peñas in other countries i interact with a peña in uh, brussels belgium on occasion of course the one the peña from uh, uh edinburgh from scotland and uh, i've interacted with the peña in uh, london many in Spain, and uh, you just kind of need somebody to give you an introduction. Um, and then it just kind of expands from there. And does it make it uh, easier uh, to travel uh, maybe to away days or maybe to Madrid itself uh, being in a Peña? Um, to travel to Madrid, I would say no, um, because there's so much to do there in that city if you've never been, and you also want to attend a match of the Atletico. It's not so much an issue, but it does make a big difference when you're going to an away match, particularly for Champions League. Uh, you can get in touch with people in advance and say, hey, what bar or restaurant are you going to be at before the match? Or where are we going to meet? Um, so that we can travel. Sometimes it's easier to tr arrange travel 
to matches that are difficult to get to. I once um, flew from New York to Brussels. Then I traveled by train from Brussels to Antwerp. Then I got on a bus with Pena members from all over Spain and from also there's a uh, Pena that is based in Antwerp, Belgium, the Diablos Rojiblancos. And we all took a bus to Bruges, Belgium, to watch a match. We did that to go to Dortmund, too, because I found it was easier and safer for me, especially as a woman, to travel with a large group of people when I didn't necessarily know what I was doing or I wasn't familiar with that city. So I would recommend always traveling or trying to affiliate or hook up with somebody um, who is active in the Pena system, if, especially if you're unfamiliar with what you're doing for an away match, because it's very helpful. Moving on from that, uh, what are your hopes for uh, Atleti next season? And what are your thoughts on uh, the last season compared uh, to the pre-Simeone days, seeing as how many people saw it as a disappointment? I will be honest, I really cannot speak very much to the pre-Simeone days because my days began with mm-hmm. Cholo. Um, mm-hmm. And I've met him. He's really interesting to talk to. Um, he signed a bufanda for me um, a few years ago. Um, this last season was difficult um, on a number of levels. It was It was difficult because, of course, Football was restarting still during a pandemic, and we were finally able to return to the stadium. But, of course, at the beginning, not all of us. There's always all these rumors. Um, But no matter what the team does or does not do with signings and transfers, um, I'll be back in my seat in Section 427 next August to cheer them on because... When I signed up to do this, when you sign up to be a socio, you renew every year automatically unless you resign your membership or, let's say, you die. Um, It just renews automatically. It's just expected. It's a way of life. It's like breathing. And um, so you don't quit this, even if you are not necessarily happy with the results. It's a passion it's a fight it's uh being part of a larger family of people that think the way you do about this team it's not easy it's not for the faint of heart but um i'm excited to see what changes will come as always we all know every summer there's a surprise or two so i guess i'm looking forward to that and then um going back the second week of august wonderful um, so nothing will, will move you away from the club, not even the return of uh, fan favorite Alvaro Morata. Um, I will not be happy if Alvaro Morata <laughs> returns. Um, I, my personal opinion about Alvaro Morata is that he is a uh, one-man money laundering scheme. It's amazing how much money has transferred hands over where he goes. Um, I find that funny. Um, I would not be happy to see him return. If he returns, um, I just make my peace with it and I move on, as I have with some other players too. Um, because it's you have to support the whole team. 
even if there's a player or two that aren't your favorite, you still have to go out there and um, cheer them on. Amazing. Um, so uh, would you like to add anything at the end of this interview? No, not really. Um, I just really would like to say again that if you've never been, make sure you go once in your lifetime because it is truly an amazing experience and you will not forget it. And um, I'm always willing to answer questions for people if they're unsure um, about what to do or where to go or how to obtain tickets, which can sometimes be a little challenging too as well. But um, I would love to see the family of the Atletico grow with more people who are not Spanish or native Spanish speakers so that uh, more people can enjoy this special experience. Amazing. And thank you so much for shedding so much light for us foreigners uh, that haven't been very connected to the club. Uh, I thank you so very much, Ashley, for, uh, for your time and for this wonderful interview. You're welcome. Great talking to you. Thank you so much. And of course, thank you guys for sticking with us. Remember, no care and see you in the next episode.